I've often said that, you know, we'll get up on stage and talk about this concept of bringing best self-management to life. And we'll talk about all the practices and all the things you can do and the values and the principles and all that. But if you really want this to work, if you want to get like 70% there, just start caring about your people. Literally, if you actually can cultivate authentic care and dare I say love in some situations for your people, you're going to be compelled to move in this direction. Without that, if you're trying to do this from a selfish standpoint of like, okay, I want to win, it's not actually going to have the result. If you try to do all this stuff and there isn't actual genuine care, you're going to be thwarted. I will tell you, business is far, far more fulfilling when you genuinely care about the people that you have invited in to come along on this journey with you. Welcome to the Best Self-Management Podcast. I'm David Hassel. And I'm Shane Metcalf. Me and David have been working together along with our co-founder, Nazar, and all the amazing other people that are a part of 15.5 for the last seven years. And we are not the same people that we were seven years ago. One of the things we're a big stand for is like, how do we actually embrace the whole person and understand that can we support someone in thriving in their whole life? And if we do, then they're probably going to contribute more at work. Your mission is to attract the best talent, retain your high performers, and maximize everyone's potential. Hello and welcome back to the Best Self-Management Podcast. My name is Shane Metcalf. I'm the co-founder and chief culture officer of 15.5. And I'm sitting here with a very good friend of mine who happens to be my co-founder and CEO, and also, in some senses, my boss. Uh, Though it doesn't really feel that way. (laughs) And we're really excited to be talking about one of our favorite topics today, which is one of the central tenets behind our company and our philosophy that we are pushing out to the world, which is this idea that companies should, I don't even know if I should say should, but companies have the opportunity to help their people be and become their best selves. Great. And if you tuned in last time, we we covered the new three pillars of best self-management. And best self-management is this philosophy and methodology for an alternative to traditional performance management. We believe that... And really, people management, people management. is a broader sure. category. Yes, exactly. And we, and we believe that when you create an environment that supports people in being and becoming their best selves, then all the things you would naturally want in an organization, from performance to loyalty and everything else, are the natural byproducts. And we're laying out a map of these three pillars that we believe go into creating that environment. And it starts with creating a powerful shared context. And if you missed that episode, I highly recommend you tune in where we talk about that topic in depth. Uh, It moves on to supporting people and being and becoming their best selves. And then thirdly, cultivating relational mastery. And when you focus on these three things in parallel, it creates the environment where ultimately it does come back to the best self, right? Relational mastery and the powerful shared context allow best self to happen at the highest level. Which is really what drives extraordinary performance and allows you to create a world-class workplace. So today we're going to dive in just on that pillar of be and become your best self. Okay, so David, why don't you actually break out a little bit of the be and become because that can sometimes confuse people and we want to spend some time on the be, probably a little bit more time on the becoming. Because, you know, if you're already your best self, which is true, then you don't really actually need to do anything. I think the best way to give you a sense of the being side of best self is, 
I think the experience that, you know, some, sometimes we have this idiom in our language about getting out of bed on the wrong side of the bed, right? So there could be one day we feel at our best and another day we feel like everything's just going wrong and you know we're easily stressed or triggered or, or whatnot. And I think that you know, what we're trying to do is to create an environment that invites people to be their best on a day-to-day basis, right? And I think that when you have one company that has a high degree of psychological safety and belonging and another company that doesn't have very much psychological safety and no sense of belonging, you could take the same employee and put them in both environments and they're going to show up very, very differently, right? If there's an environment that feels threatening where you don't feel like you belong and there's, there's a lot of toxicity and resentment and blame and, and, and whatnot, that person who in, in a great culture might be exhibiting a lot of great attributes, maybe more fear, self-preservation mode and, and show up very differently. So it's the being side of it. I like the way that you, you often put it. We're simultaneously masterpieces yet works in progress, right? And so it's, it's this paradox. The idea of becoming your best self, yes, there's a place that we want to move forward to in the future, but we don't want to have this thing be some end result that's never attainable. It's more of an ongoing journey. It's a mountain you can continue to climb with no end, and it gets more rewarding along the way. But that doesn't mean that we can't be our best in this moment. So that's that's really what we're talking about on the being side. Yeah, and you know, we were we were chatting about this a couple of days ago, and we were like, okay, in terms of some of the marketing around this and the the, the talk and the kind of headlining, we'll probably actually reduce it down to support people in becoming their best selves. Yes, because the idea that we are already perfect as we are is actually not a very popular opinion, <laughs> no, nor is it a well-known or understood concept. I think there's a, a roomy quote that says something like, when you realize the perfection of the universe, you'll throw your head back and laugh. And that's typically not really the, the state of consciousness that most business leaders are operating out of. But I think that a little bit of a dose of that perfection, of recognizing the perfection of ourselves, of the world, and of each other can go a long way as a foundation to then choose growth and development. We're not saying you can become your best self because you suck the way you are. We're saying we can choose growth and development as a path and to create growth and development as a way of operating in our company because we also recognize that you're totally okay as you are. And that creates a very different thing where you're not shaming people for being the way they're being. You're not always living the lack also. Exactly. And, and I think that's where gratitude comes in, right? The acceptance of how things are and, and the greatness that already exists. Yes, those things often will exist simultaneously with the things we want to change. But if we're just focused, which is the norm, we tend to like our brains are wired to look for what's wrong, right? And what are the threats? If we're just focused on that, we can get into an unbalanced story about how everything's bad and wrong and we feel bad about ourselves. We feel bad about the companies and, uh, and, and gratitude's really the antidote. It's, it's taking a moment to appreciate what is. One of my favorite little mantras is by loving and accepting what is, what is instantaneously becomes something even better. (laughs) And it's true. Um, And it's it's great because you want 
a healthy dose of that gratitude and appreciation inside of your culture, where it's not this constantly, nothing's ever good enough. Yeah, drive for high performance, but also don't just use a value like become your best self as an excuse to berate people and belittle them because they woke up on the wrong side of the bed. There needs to be that space and compassion for the whole human being. And it's also worth noting that, you know, change and transformation, oftentimes it takes, it takes something. It takes energy. It might take energy. Sometimes transformation can happen in a moment, but it takes attention and energy. It's change uh, and taking on new habits and practices and learning skills can take time. That time can compound. You can, it, can, it can snowball in a really positive way. But again, like it's not going to happen in an instant. And so noticing like, where are the gaps? What are the biggest gaps? What are my strengths? Where can I put the most attention to get the most gain? Right? Those are all the things that you In a way, I thought you were going with that is that I thought you were going to go with change and transformation often take breakdown in bad news. Sometimes it does. I mean, you know, like, often. often yeah, more, yeah. Probably more, more often than not, it's actually the crises in our life, the chaos that has us go into a crisis or, or we lose someone or we get fired or we screw something up. And those shadows can all contain, well, not can, all those shadows do contain a gift. Mm-hmm. And so it's actually embracing our own places of inadequacy and fear and confusion that is really the key to becoming our best selves. Yeah. And seeing those as opportunities. I mean, I often say that, you know, I've had a number of things happen in my life that have been very challenging, right? And hard, hard moments. And in the moment, I I couldn't really see how that would, there was a gift in any of it. And, And almost universally, I look back and say, wow, I'm really that's amazing that that happened because of what happened afterwards yeah. and who I became and how things shifted and changed, you know, almost, almost universally was influenced in a positive direction because of that, because of those breakdowns. Right. So, um, so I think there's a lot of truth. And, to and so what's interesting is that in thinking about this as a, you know, from a company perspective is I think that actually compassion, we haven't actually discussed this yet, but compassion as something that happens inside of your company for the the dark nights of the soul, for the challenges and trials and tribulations that we all face, that every single person in your company is facing right now, and being able to have an environment of compassion for that part of our journey, of our human journey, is actually one of the greatest things you can do to unlock the potential of your people. And actually, we haven't talked about this a lot, but I actually think that that element that we've created at 15.5, which is, for context, (laughs) we'll often have these company retreats where we do table questions and, and, you know, we'll go around and we'll share what's going well in our lives or what are we celebrating. And then sometimes we'll go into what's not going well or what are we actually struggling with? Where is life sucking for us right now? You know, and if, again, it's it's a delicate balance because it's simultaneously giving an enormous amount of freedom and not coercing people into vulnerability, but also 
having the emotional courage to create environments of high degrees of psychological safety where people can reveal their darker sides, their darker struggles in life in a space of non-judgmental, compassionate listening. And, you know, and this is an interesting one because we can't be people's therapists, you know, like we, we want to encourage therapy. I mean, shit, you know, we as founders need to be doing our own therapy. We need to be revealing the work we do on ourselves, make it normal, not have it be a taboo thing. But also have a space of compassionate listening inside of your company. You know, Jeff, uh, is it Jeff Weiner at LinkedIn? Yes. Talks a lot about compassionate leadership. And it's like, it's so cool because that, you know, LinkedIn's a really large company and that you can have somebody in a leadership position at a company like that saying compassion is one of the best qualities of a leader. Yeah, it's one of the one of the cornerstones. I, from what I understand, from what I've when I've heard him speak of, of of his leadership, for sure. So I know I took us in a slightly different tangent. No, no, it's good. I, I think I think one of the things that you're talking we're talking about, but we haven't explicitly said. That's one of the really important things to get if you adopt this idea of supporting people and being and becoming their best selves. Is that best self isn't just this shiny, perfect, happy self, right? It's the whole self. And oftentimes, as, as we've discussed, we all have crises and challenges that happen at various points in our lives. And, and oftentimes, those are the things that, that do incite us to become who we become. And I think it's embracing all of it. It's yeah. embracing the fact that we're all brilliant geniuses in some areas and we're all completely inadequate in other areas. And it's like, it's that whole, that whole piece and, and coming to a high self-esteem and knowing oneself, right? Knowing yourself about where you're great and where are the areas that you need to improve and maybe the areas you're just going to choose not to improve and say, you know, I'm just, that's not my strength. And you're gonna, I'm going to find other ways to deal with in life and my work by finding partnership uh, in those areas where it's not my zone of genius, for example. Well, and it's so important because I think that when people start thinking, oh, I want to build a positive culture, or I want to be a positive person. I want to be a positive energizer. There's a big difference between an authentically positive culture and a term I just came across recently of uh, toxic positivity. And an example of toxic positivity is like the phrase good vibes only. Right. Yes. And of like, oh, you woke up on the wrong side of the bed today. Don't come to work. Like, oh, good vibes only, which is very damaging, actually, because it's saying only a, a small slice of who you are is acceptable. Now, it's a complex conversation because if somebody is a racist and a bigot and a sexist, I do not want those parts coming to work. So there is a way that we need to bring our, A, I mean, I don't want to hire somebody with those values. Well, that's why there's standards and values and things that we say are acceptable. But what we're saying is that, yes, we want people who are values aligned and we want people to be able to be their whole selves. And so that they're not compartmentalizing, they're not repressing. So that also we as a broader team and company and as managers and leaders can support people when the inevitable breakdowns happen. Because they are going to happen. Yeah. They happen all the time. It's the recovery that's really, it's like not about avoiding breakdowns at all costs. It's about equipping people 
further recovery. And that actually gets into cultivate relational mastery, which is the third pillar of best self-management. Right. And we'll, we'll do a deep dive in that in a coming episode. Okay. So holding a more compassionate field of listening for humans in general, you know, because we don't want, one of the things that we also think about is that this isn't just about our work life. This is about our whole life. I want every person at 15.5 to leave our company a better version of themselves than when they arrived. Happier, more fulfilled, more competent, more self-actualized, better communication skills, have a better relationship with their mom, (laughs) you know, treat animals with more kindness, laugh more, take themselves less seriously, know their genius, and have a great life. Have more adventure. Have more time outdoors. You know, be in the celebration of existence. That's what I want for our people. And the cool thing is that by starting to orient how you think of management and leadership and organizational development along these lines, you can have a lifelong and probably multi-generational impact because of the positive contribution your company can become for the people that operate within it. And then that's going to touch your customers. Right, exactly. Like, by I the mean, way, the ripple this effects is are really good for business. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think there was a simplistic debate a decade ago before we started this whole thing. There were these kind of things online where they'd show, you know, uh, a picture of Richard Branson and some other leader and say, you know, do you believe in people first, which would be the Branson methodology or customers first? And then there'd just be this debate. And, uh, you know, I think ultimately... We've always been on, obviously, on the people side, people first side of that debate, because the theory was, you take care of your people, and they're going to take care of your customers. And that's the simplistic view of what we're talking about. We're we're now saying, well, that's, of course, the way things work. And now, going up a level, how how do we actually do that in such a profound way that we drive extraordinarily high performance? Yes, the customers feel that through the product, through the interactions with our success people, our support people, our salespeople. They're having interactions with our company that are pretty uncommon. And our employees are going out and having ripple effects in their families and their social lives. If you like what you're hearing and you want to help us spread this message, the best thing that you can do is write a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to the 15.5 Best Self-Management Podcast. And if you take a screenshot of that review and email it to podcast at 15.5.com, we'll reply with a code where you can get a free 15.5 t-shirt. They're very comfortable. I wear mine all the time. Want to give a shout out to KKF2 who wrote us a great review on iTunes. And they said, I'm hooked. A great way to gain exposure to a fresh perspective that is truly riveting. I was on the search for ideas about improving performance management when I stumbled across an article on best self-management. After reading that article, I was hooked. I then discovered these podcasts and have been listening to them over and over again. The conversations are stimulating, authentic, and inspiring. Loving every bit. KKF2, I am inspired and loving every bit of this review. Thank you so very much. And ProDog, great name, says, This podcast has helped change my way of thinking. As a user of the actual 15.5 product, it's interesting to see the concept and functionality of it relate directly to what they are talking about. 10 out of 10 recommend. 
Thanks, Prodog. Okay, so let's break it down of how we think about the process of supporting somebody in that journey of being and becoming their best self. And let's talk a little bit about Maslow's hierarchy of needs for a moment. You know, because for those of you watching, I'm going to just pull up the, the slide on Maslow's hierarchy. And, you know, what's cool is that while it might not be a perfect map, it's a really good map of the human journey towards self-actualization, you know, of realizing our full potential. And one of the first things you need to get right is that, I mean, first, physiology and safety, but let's assume that for the most part, most of our companies, we have physical safety and we're paying our people enough to cover the basics. Oh, and then you have Wi-Fi at the very bottom. (laughs) It's just, it's so true. It's like, Whenever I see people with shitty Wi-Fi, it's like an existential crisis is happening. (laughs) But then it's about belonging. You really, to help somebody become their best self, you want to create a culture where they can feel like they belong. That's why diversity and inclusion is so vitally important. Is because it gets to this idea that every person in our company should be able to have an experience of belonging. You know, me and you as white men shouldn't be the only ones that feel our spines relax inside of our company. We need to know our blind spots. We need to know where other people get tripped up on belonging and then work and do cultural engineering for people to feel included, no matter who they are, what they look like, what their race, what their ethnicity, what their sexual orientation what their prior experience with with trauma or with different cultural orientations are. You know, that's what, if you can get it right, that's when everybody can relax their spine. Oh, right. This is what it is to be inside of a community versus a transactional, cutthroat, extractive environment. Yeah, and I think, you know, in this map of Maslow's hierarchy, as you move up the pyramid, right, if, if any of these areas are not taken care of, or there's a risk or a threat, or a, like in this case, a lack of belonging, it interrupts, right? And it interrupts your ability to, to really focus on and moving to the next stage, right? right? You, you get obsessed with addressing that issue. If you're feeling unsafe, you're going to be focused on how do I get safe? If you're feeling like I don't belong, you're going to be focused on how do I get belonging? Uh, how do I get those needs met? And when that's taken care of and you have that spine relaxed, which is a great analogy, right? Then you're focused on, all right, am I in my zone of genius? Do I have a strong self-esteem? When those things happen, then we get into, right, the the possibility for someone to be in this upward spiral of growth and yeah. contribution. Well, and I think for, for most orgs, focusing on creating belonging is really probably the highest leverage. I would think and so. And then yeah. esteem. Yes. You know, esteem is really kind of where so much of the magic happens. But you have to have that sense of belonging before you can truly cultivate esteem. And now, it's not like you can only cultivate esteem if you have belonging at work. I think we live in a time where we are in a crisis of belonging. And so we can provide a deeper cut of belonging in our companies than most of us are getting elsewhere in our life. But you need some sense of belonging in your life in order to then cultivate that esteem. And so esteem is really going to be the domain of things like strengths, understanding your strengths, understanding your zone of genius. 
Not even knowing that you have strengths. I yeah. mean, that's a foreign concept totally. for most people. Totally. Right. And then knowing that you have strengths, we brought in our strengths mugs today and I'm looking at my strengths and it's like, yeah, when I first did this, at first it was kind of like, I don't even really know what that means. Because <laughs> right. my journey has been more of one of coming from insecurity to esteem and competence. And the strengths journey was a really interesting one because at first it was like a bad horoscope. It's like, <laughs> right. that's, that's more kind of bullshit that <laughs> yeah. I can put back on the shelf. But then going deeper into it, it was like, oh, it started to click. And it's like seeds that get planted. But if you don't have belonging, it's going to be infertile soil. So you have to till the soil. You have to create an environment where the, the, those seeds of strength, of esteem, can take root and begin to blossom. Mm-hmm. It's great. We have got a flower oh here. <laughs> right. It's perfect. And so going deeper, going deeper into contemplation, going deeper into what are our gifts is a really critical piece of this. And so... You know, there's different approaches to strengths. There's Gallup, there's, you know, via character strengths. You know, we're a big fan of Laura Garnett, who we also interviewed on a recent episode and her book, The Genius Habit, that brings a lot of these things together, where you start to understand how am I uniquely wired so that I can operate in my zone of genius. And life is a very different thing when you're operating in your zone of genius than when you're operating in your zone of incompetence. Hugely different. I mean, it's the difference between being burned out at the end of the day or the end of the month and, and, and coming home, you may feel physically tired, right? But you feel the sense of energy and fulfillment, right? Uh, I think I'm being well used. Yes. In the best possible way. It's like that good tired, you know, at the end of the day, you feel like you know, there's a sense of fulfillment. And sometimes you don't, you might even, you know, leave, leave work and feel extremely energized by, by what you've just done. And so it's, it's that you know, when you're in that zone of genius, that level of both fulfillment and energy and timelessness and flow, all those attributes are, are possible when you can get there. Yeah. And it's a journey. It's like, you know, it's, it's a high bar, but you, we want to directionally be oriented towards that. And we want to aspire as a company to helping our people move towards their strengths, towards their zone of genius. And of course, you know, the reality is that we can't always be in our zone of genius. We, sometimes we have to do things we don't want to do. But again, directionally and philosophically, that's where you want to align. So 15.5, we've built a technology platform that automates a lot of the best practices of management to build world-class workplaces. But we know that technology is not enough by itself. There needs to be education and awareness. That is largely why we've started this podcast, so we can talk about the philosophy driving the company, driving the product. We're really excited to announce that we are releasing another platform that is really going to help with that process. We're introducing the 15.5 Best Self Academy. So if you love these topics and you want to go through a process of actually learning some of these, putting them into action, giving opportunities for your leaders, your managers, your employees to learn the fundamental practices of best self-management, you can go online to the 15.5 Best Self Academy, sign up for the various courses there. We have some free content. We have some more in-depth paid content. And we hope this will support you in your journey in creating a best self world-class workplace. So please go online to the 15.5 Best Self Academy. That's at 15.5.com slash academy.
So let's break this down a little bit. My view on this pillar of supporting people and being and becoming their best selves, there are things that we need to do as leaders, right? So we're setting up, it's both environmental and individual. And the environmental side of it is we're creating, we're engineering a high state of belonging, vulnerability, trust, the esteem piece we're taking care of by educating our people on the concepts around growth mindset and strengths, giving them access to some of these mirrors like Gallup Strengths Finders and other things, making sure their managers know what those are, helping them to support them in aligning their strengths with their work, giving them opportunities to learn and grow, et cetera. And then there's a set of values and practices that we promote, like our, our historical value of cultivate health and vitality is now a practice with inside and become your best self, our core value, right? Well, and it's interesting because I think that a lot of people think of, when they think of best self, they think, oh, well, I, I'd do more yoga or I'd work out more, I'd be running. People often think of best self with like with healthy habits. And what we're saying is that, yes, that's a part of it. Physical body is yep. critical, but we're also talking about mindset, about having mental fortitude, resilience, compassion, cathartic peak experiences that remind us how good life can be, being inspired, having a a high energetic presence, managing our energy, and doing the best work of our lives, having high impact in the activities that we choose to do, that we are, we're not just getting results, we're getting extraordinary results. Yeah. Extraordinary results, really. I mean, and that's ultimately why this whole model translates into something that can create a world-class workplace where your company is outperforming your peers relative to your peers because you have a secret weapon, a secret advantage through your people. There's not a lot of companies that are practicing this to this level, uh, this high degree. Yeah. Right. So again, you're combining those two things, you got the powerful shared context, which calls people forth. And then you're supporting them and becoming their best holistically, which includes being and doing the best work of their lives. Uh, I have you know, a few other practices here of things that play into this. One of them is, is our other value of always be learning and growing. So if you want to become your best self, it's a never ending process, right? And that includes uh, what we have here on, on the slide here around reflection, prospection, and introspection. Well, well and also like on, on that one, I think it really needs to start with um, Carol Dweck's work on, on mindset. Mindset, absolutely, of, yes. Because you can't always be learning and growing if you're operating out of a fixed mindset. Correct. In those areas of your life. And so developing a growth mindset so that you can continually learn and grow. Yeah, so I would even say it's, you know, first of all, it's having the growth mindset paradigm uncovering the areas where you might be holding a fixed mindset, discovering your strengths, being in that process of always be learning and growing in a variety of areas, like understanding what are the different areas of my life that I need to take care of to a satisfactory degree in order to be fulfilled and not, and also not experience breakdowns, Yeah, right? Like I have to take care of my body. Otherwise there's going to be a problem. If I go home and I fight with my wife every single night and I'm miserable in my marriage... I am not going to be doing the best work of my life. Like there will be channels of creativity that will be inaccessible to me. And sometimes it's really hard to even imagine like what it would be like to not have some of the breakdowns in these other areas of our life or, or that 
that they would even be connected. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the the disease of our culture is the idea of, of we have all these segregated parts. And my home life doesn't affect my work life and my work life doesn't affect my home life. And I put on the work hat and I go to work and I take it off and I'm, I'm completely segregated. But that leads to a fractured personality. And it also has a lot of consequences that, that can uh, take down the potential that we all have to have not only extraordinary careers, but also extraordinary lives outside of the office. So there's a lot that goes into this. I mean, it's part of this, part of the, I think the responsibility and opportunity of leaders is to provide some of this framework, right? For people to think about what are the things that are important for me to be taken care of, to understand, to understand about myself, to understand about growth, to et cetera. Um, and, and providing a roadmap, so to say. But then it needs to be then be a partnership because it's not the company's responsibility to have you be your best self, right? Ultimately, we have to be all 100% responsible for... I have to be 100% responsible for being my best self. Correct, right. Nobody else can do it for me. You know, you can lead the camel to the water, but you can't can, make, can't him, make him drink. And so that's our job, you know, in that analogy is to lead the camels to the water and show them the path. And, and, have, and then invite really them. good spring, really crystal good clear, <laughs> perfectly chilled spring water for the camels. There you go. So it's delicious. Uh-huh. Exactly. Okay. So w- w- let's talk a little bit around how performance plays into this. Because sure. at the end of the day, performance, and we, you know, we talk about performance as a byproduct. And performance is an indication of, is somebody achieving their goals and or exceeding them? And so can you just you know, talk a little bit around how does being your best self and supporting an environment where people can embrace their shadow and bring all of their, their wholeness to work and feel belonging and they know their strengths, how does that relate and translate to high performance? Well, I would bet every day of the week on somebody who is more energized and passionate because they're connected to their strengths, right? Who is, has a growth mindset and is learning, understanding where their shortcomings are, and then they're aggressively going after, how do I learn and get better? How do I get the right mentorship? What do I need to read and learn and do to improve my performance, right? Over somebody who thinks they know it all, who doesn't really have any interest in growth, who is is operating in an area that's not actually their zone of genius because maybe they think that's what they should be doing. I mean, it's just intuitively, it just makes a lot of sense. And in practical reality, that's what we see. Yeah. Right. So yes, you you need to find people who have like I, I'm not advocating for, you know, just finding someone who has a great intention and desire to be able to go out and, and fulfill a role and bring them in off the street and then, you know help them get there if it's going to take three years. You want to find people who already have the skill set to do the job today when you hire them. And simultaneously, if you can create this kind of culture and help them identify what aspects of that role are really uniquely their zone of genius and have them be in that sense of growth and development, they're going to continually and rapidly improve. And so you know, the person you hired in you know, six months ago today is going to be even far more capable. And, and so that's really about it. It's, uh, you know, you're supporting people and continuing to be and become their best selves over time and their contribution grows along with that. It also is a very different context when you have a conversation, maybe somebody is at risk for low performance, there's more 
perspective you can take on the conversation. You know, really digging in, great, well, they're underperforming. Are you using your strengths? What are your strengths? Are you using them? Are you using your, your strengths to accomplish your job? Oh, you're not. Well, okay, are you in the wrong job? Maybe you're in the wrong job. And if not, well, then maybe, you know, we need to start thinking about bringing more awareness or approaching your work in a different way, which can make a really big impact. And ultimately, again, back to this idea that like a best self culture is not always a nice culture. I mean, compassionate and kind, but not always nice and nice being kind of a a metaphor for like a radical candor, like the ruinous empathy where you aren't actually telling the truth. You're like, well, I don't want to hurt your feelings. And so I just, I'll just, yeah, I'll guess, I I will give you that raise. And God, you really suck though. (laughs) And you like telling the truth with kindness, confronting people around low performance, but also coaching them and holding a positive intention for breakthrough or coaching them out of the organization, helping them find a better role. That's right. Yeah, I think it's uh, you're touching on the um, on some of the attributes of, of a best self culture, and that again, it goes back to high care and high performance, right? It's holding both of those and optimizing for growth over comfort. We know that growth isn't always comfortable. Okay, so I want to I want to go with a little bit of of uh, again something we haven't talked a ton about, but how you see people changes people. To see somebody's highest potential that you work with is to increase the odds of them realizing that potential. So, and so they, I think this is a really important one because in a sense, best self-management is a mindset shift, is a contextual shift of how to think about your people. It starts there. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it, start, it starts yeah, there. Right, yep. And it's an idea I want to explore a little bit further that the intentions, the expectations, the way we see people actually influences how they show up. Which is, you know, it borderlines on like mystical voodoo magic. (laughs) It does. And yet it's probably one of the truest principles that I've discovered. Uh Uh-huh. I think that there is a lot of truth to that in, in my experience, right? Well, think about in your own life, somebody that you are holding a less than unlimited intention for. Yeah. Can you begin to shift your imagination and imagine them in a higher octave of performance or relating? Yeah, and I think that that's a, it's a skill and a practice as a, as a leader and a manager to be able to do that. And I think the default, more common view, especially when you start abstracting people as assets or resources of the organization, is to start thinking of them as fixed. Right. So, like, I have a person who's in a particular role. They're either doing a good job or they're not. If I assess that they're not meeting the standards, I might say, okay, well, I've got to get rid of them and get somebody else. And in some cases, that's the right move. Right. And I think that there's a, a way that we can we can start to see what I what I call is like seeing the white space. Right. It's a skill to be able to look for what's possible as opposed to what you see. And I think if you're holding a growth mindset, right, for people, you're inviting them to step into that. You're expecting them to be better, right? And you're also communicating a belief. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's not quite being critical. It's not like saying, okay, well, I see your potential and you're not living up to it. 
Because I think there's like a way that that's, it's more like, I accept you for who you are, but I see there's more for you. There's a a subtle distinction. And so, you know, you listening, you may not know that David is famous for uh, having a superpower in this domain of really being able to see somebody and see that white space that you're talking about and then kind of like tract or beam in. And then it's almost like you become stubbornly resistant to any other reality (laughs) other than that that is true and that like that potential, that light, that competence, that power that you see in somebody is... Of course, it's it's obvious. And I don't even care that you can't see it because I see it. And it's so god dang obvious. <laughs> and I'm going to just keep holding that until it's, it's redundant. Until it's real. Yeah, exactly. And so what are you actually doing in that? Um, part of it, I feel like, is intuitive. Part of it is also... So talk about the intuitive yeah, piece. The intuitive it. piece. It's just... And it's not like you're like, you see everybody like this. No, I don't. No, it's, and not, like, it's not everybody. Somebody's like I, screwing up or isn't a performer and you're like, oh no, I'm just going to ignore all of their mistakes until they get their shit together. It's like, no, that no, doesn't no. happen. No, no, no. no yeah. that's, that's, that's not what we're talking here. I do think that it, it is more often than not attached to my care for the person. So I think that when I cultivate that care or when that care or love is there, I think that inside of that, I have a, I have a, you know, I, I personally, and, and this is this would make sense that you know our whole mission is around supporting people and being and becoming their best selves. When I see that happening for someone, that's deeply fulfilling for me. And when I can play a role in that, whether it's from a coach in a coaching standpoint or whatnot, that's deeply fulfilling for me. And I have a genuine belief in people and humanity, right? And so that's the frame I walk through the world with. And so when I'm in a relationship with someone, whether it's a work relationship or otherwise, and I deeply care about that person. You also said something interesting, which was if I care or if I love, yes. if love is present. Yes. And I'm like, oh, I think we're onto something. <laughs> yes. I think we're using the L word in business. Uh-oh. <laughs> I, 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 yes. I mean, I, I, I'm almost using care to kind of subversively say love. I think that there is an element of love, right? And, and when I... Uh, when I Don't love- worry, we won't tell your New Jersey f- oh, friends that you're loving people. <laughs> when I have that experience, right, I want the best for that person. And I can see what's po- I can I can start to imagine what's possible. When you're loving somebody, when you're caring for somebody, when there's when there's an experience where your your heart is kind of opened and you're like, oh wow. Yeah. Like all of a sudden they're they're in my circle of care and concern. Correct. And then you start to imagine things. And I want to take a step back because I think part of the imagining comes from my own experience of having limitations, having bumped up against my own limitations in my life and struggled and suffered and tried to uh, grow and transform and evolve and, and, and having been through the, the fire myself. So I have a lot of compassion for, for other people. And I think... I can start to see where someone might be held up by themselves or you know, their own thinking or their insecurity or uh, they just don't have the skill, but I know that they can get through it, if that makes sense. So I start to see what would, you know, what would this person be like if those limitations I can notice weren't there. Well, and it's so interesting because it's not just remove the limitations, it's, it's, it's compassion for the limitations Correct. because you yourself have struggled against your own suffering. 
And that that's, again, back to this compassion piece. It's not just like, I'm only seeing the joyful, happy part of this person. You're seeing them in their wholeness, holding compassion for their own perceived self-limitations while imagining a greater possibility than they're imagining for themselves. And, you know, it's funny because I actually think this conversation we're having right here is the real key to best self-management. I've often said that, you know, we, we will get up on stage and talk about this concept of, of bringing best self-management to life. And we'll talk about all the practices and all the things you can do and the, the, the values and the principles and all that. And I said, but if you really want this to work, if you want to get like 70% there, just start caring about your people. Literally, just start. If you actually can cultivate authentic care and dare I say love in some situations for your people, then you're going to be compelled to move in this direction. Without that, if, you, if you're trying to do this from a, from a selfish standpoint of like, okay, I want to win and I'm going to try to put these things in place because I want to be more successful and make more money, it's inauthentic. It's not, gonna, it's not actually going to have the result. It's like if you try to do all this stuff and there isn't actual genuine care, you're going to be thwarted. I will tell you, business is far, far more fulfilling when you genuinely care about the people that you have invited in to come along on this journey with you. It's really interesting because I think that one of the prerequisites for caring and loving somebody else, caring for and and really genuinely loving, that heartfelt warmth that radiates from the human heart for another person that they genuinely care about, you have to get to know people. Yes, you have to get to know, 100%. And that's why I actually, you know, a couple of things are clicking together. That's why... When you create group habits and rituals for people to get to know each other, like uh, table questions around meals and question Fridays and creating that space for telling our human stories, that is a necessity for you to start loving people. Because without it, you don't have an emotional connection. They're just names and titles and worker bees. But as soon as you start hearing you know, what people wish they'd told their 18-year-old self. <laughs> right, yes. You're like, oh my God, I can so relate to that. Oh, I suddenly, oh, there's a little bit of love. Exactly. And then it brings also like a sense of shared humanity and compassion that it just, it just naturally unfolds. Yeah. Okay, let's wrap it up for today. Uh, that was a really fun conversation. I think yeah, that- thanks, there's some really cool areas we can continue to explore in this conversation. And, you know, what's what's cool is that this is something that we replicate because if we get everybody, if we scale intimacy in the company where managers are continually getting to know their people and their peers, you know, we might not be able to know the names, let alone the core desires and true intimacy with 200 people, but you can scale intimacy infinitely because you create micro networks. You create small hubs of connection inside of larger organization with meta powerful narratives and contexts that bring everybody together. Right. And then keeping that, you know, maintaining that level of, of care for the whole company and saying, this is the kind of organization we want to have where people are connected and, and spending the the best hours of their waking lives with one another, doing something extraordinary and building something extraordinary. So thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps get the word out. Uh, Share this with your friends and we look forward to seeing you next time. 
A big thank you to our producer, Counter-Ray Creative, and our executive producer, David Misney, and Stacey Hurst, our guest coordinator. Please visit 155.com slash podcast. That's the number 15 and the word five. For more information on today's discussion, for additional resources and special offers. One of the easiest and highest leverage things you can do to support us in this podcast is write a review on Apple iTunes or Google Play. It really does go a long way in terms of getting the word out and more people can hear this message so that we can start a movement and truly get more and more businesses out there helping their people become their best selves. To get all the latest episodes, please subscribe to Best Self Management on iTunes or Google Play. And if you have a question or comment you'd like us to address in a future show, please email us at podcast at 15.5.com. And finally, thank you for listening to this podcast. Until next time, know that we support you in being and becoming your best self. Thank you.